Welcome back to another episode of Your Next Stop. I am Juliet Hahn, the host and creator. I am excited. I say this every time, but my guest this week, Deborah Levy, she used to organize spaces and now she organizes minds. And wait until you hear the path of how she pivoted her life and created something to help others. But she's always been helping others in parts of her life. And this just became so close to home that she felt, you know what, I'm going to start a business and then it just blew up. So you guys do not want to miss this. It is thoughtful, endearing, inspiring. And I get into a little bit about my journey with ADHD and dyslexia. You don't want to miss it. This episode is brought to you by Together Women Rise. Together Women Rise is dedicated to ensuring that every woman and girl has the opportunity to live freely, pursue her dreams, and reach her full potential. They are a powerful community of women and allies engaged in learning, giving, and community building. Please visit Together Women Rise at togetherwomenrise.org to learn more and to join them. Have you ever been listening to your favorite podcast and that moment comes up and you think, oh my gosh, I need to share it? Well, now you can with Picked Cherries. What I love about Picked Cherries so much is that when I'm listening to my favorite podcast and that moment comes up that I want to share, I can take a snippet, which is called a Picked Cherry, and I can send that to my friends and family so they can get involved in the podcast that I love. It's almost like sending an IG or a TikTok. Available now, iOS and Android. If you're not picking cherries, are you really listening to podcasts? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Your Next Stop. I say it every single time and I'm going to say it again. I am so excited to take you down the path and the story of someone's life that have followed a passion and turned it into a business. Wanted to welcome Deborah Levy to Your Next Stop. Hi, Deborah. How are you? I am great. Thank God. How about yourself? I am good. And so I always love to tell my listeners also where we met. And I believe we met on LinkedIn. Am I correct on that? That's right. Yes. So um, this is, I'm excited because I know when we we talked, we talked, I want to say months ago, and we really talked about your story and how you have followed passion and turned it into a business and how you now help other people. So I would love to start with a little background on you, where you came from, if you went to university, and then let's jump right into this. Great. I'm born and raised in Queens, New York. And I had um, gone to college over in Long Island for interior design. And that was my passion at the time, but everything has evolved a lot since then. I love that. I love that. And I love the fact that, um, you know, shout out to New York, but I also now I'm remembering our conversation about when you got into interior designing, because to you, that was um, very helpful to be organized in your space and, and take us a little through that. So after you graduated university, where did your path take you? So, um, I was working in Manhattan. Uh, first of all, I was working for a residential firm over in Long Island. And then I started working in Manhattan for a corporate office design firm. Worked there for a number of years. And then my husband and I decided that we wanted a little bit of a change. So, we ended up moving to England for a couple of years. We we're living in London. Oh, I love that. And, yeah. And I was working for the same firm because I said, you know, we're moving. Um, 
they have an office over there. So do you need me? They said, yes. And we're so excited. And um, we were in our um, late twenties and like, it's one of these things we could just pick up and go. And everybody thought we were crazy, but it was it was great. And we were there for two years. It's fun because I love for my listeners to hear how your your voice, it changed. It changed because you're going back to when you're in England and obviously was a really special time for you guys. So you were over there for two years and then continue. I just love to hear that because you can really tell the excitement. Yeah. And the funny part, the reason why I got excited is because, you know, I think now would I ever do something like that? We booked um, round trip tickets through a little travel type thing that they had at the time. We didn't have a place to live. Uh, my husband didn't have a job, although he was a foreign exchange trader at the time, but he knew he can get a job anywhere in the world. Picked up and went, sublet my our apartment to my sister-in-law. And we got there, he found a job, we found a flat. And, you know, like thinking back now, like, would I ever do that? I don't think so at this age, <laughs> but back then it was great. <laughs> right. And uh, we learned a lot about, um, about a lot of things, about what the world thinks about America, about um, other cultures, about travel. And it was, it was really a very, um, a really amazing experience. And then I became pregnant with my first son and decided that I wanted to be closer to home to be able to raise him and not be in the middle of a city and be amongst family. So we came back and uh, I had along the way, you know, still did design in terms of helping people out and, and so forth. But uh, I also always had a passion for talking one-on-one -on -one and helping people figure out things. And I even remember at a really early age with my sister, I was Lucy from, from the Peanuts with my booth being open and uh, right. you know, she would come and I would help her out. So, um, so being in partnership with people, helping clients has always been something that I really, really enjoyed doing. I love that. And I love that you said, I mean, a lot of times we do make choices to be closer to family, especially when we start our own family. But I love that you guys picked up and were like, we want a different experience because I think it's so important. And I think so many people don't do that because of fear or, oh my gosh, what if it doesn't work out? And I always say to people, you can always change it. You could always change. We're not trees. We're, we're not, we don't have to stay where we are. We can get up and move. And so to follow those kind of paths are really important. So I would love to, to hear a little bit about what took you guys to England. Like, why did you decide London? Well, I knew that, um, I mean, I, I wanted to explore and experience um, travel, and my husband did also. And we knew people that lived over there. And like I said, there was an office there, not knowing exactly if they were going to let me continue working. Right. But it just felt like a great time. We didn't have kids yet. And it was just a, a really an opportune moment to take advantage of it. And we did. Yeah, I love that. So you came back to the States, you had your first son. And then were you still still with that firm even when you were taking on one on one clients? No. And in, and in terms of like the design work I did, it wasn't really um, very formal, but just, you know, whenever anybody needed help in the community and so forth. But what I did do was I started my own photography firm. I had two or three kids by that time, and I decided I wanted to get into uh, natural portraiture, uh, something where, you know, people that little kids would be in um, this beautiful backyard that I had at the time. And I could take um, photos of them just doing what they love doing. And I was always into photography, even from a really young age, got my first Kodak Instamatic camera when I was 10 and just, I was in love the entire time. So I, I, I guess I had this entrepreneurial spirit from early on and I, um, I, it, it went really well, and I actually ended up having um, a, an art show uh, of, in a gallery 
which I'm continuing to do today. Actually, I have some pieces in the gallery now as well. Um, so I was doing a little bit of that and doing you know little bits of design here and there. Uh, but then what happened was I ent- I have four kids and uh, well you know they were pretty young, and I was getting overwhelmed with how much stuff was accumulating in my house. And I said to myself, if I can get myself organized, because I'm a pretty orderly person in terms of thinking and in space, I'm very good with space, that um, I think I'd like to do that as a career. So I started thinking about that. At the time when um, we also at the same time had a, um, a restaurant that we owned, we had a kosher Italian restaurant, my husband and I. So I wanted to take this on as something to do to bring in some income and to get some order into people's lives, including myself. So I became a professional organizer. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. So where do you think that entrepreneur, you know, you said you kind of always had that. Did you see that in your family where your parents, you know, grandparents, neighbors, where aunts and uncles, was there someone in your life that was doing just that? Uh, no. Um, but it's funny. I have this really early memory in second grade that my grandmother had given me these like a lot of costume jewelry. I went to school and I saw I was starting to sell it. (laughs) (laughs) I told my mom, she made me buy it all, but you know, give the money back. (laughs) But it's just, it's funny. Like, I guess I had no qualms about doing something independently. Um, So I I liked working for a firm, but I also really liked the thought of doing things in a way that I like to do it in my own time. I like being able to be my own boss in terms of the structure of my day and um, to kind of create the day that I wanted to. So, um, so the long answer is no, I can't really think of anybody, right? It was just in me. And yeah, well, and so this is what I love doing. And I love my listeners to kind of listen to this because there is, um, and I want to kind of dissect this a little bit because I think this is where it gets, you know, fun and we can kind of go back. Um, because I love that you said you had that early memory and that's what I, you know, I really am, uh, I really push and I'm actually speaking at a, co- a podcast convention called PodFest about the power of storytelling and about going back into your childhood, whether it was good or bad, but thinking of those moments, think of those moments um, that, you know, little moments like you just had, right. A little, like you said that and you like giggled cause it like probably made you laugh. Cause it's like, I can't believe I did that in second grade, but where did that come from? What was that about? But it gave you a good feeling, right? So I always say I, that's, you know, with the power of storytelling and connecting with other people to think about those times in your life, childhood, you know, as you get older too, because as we get older, you know, memories fade and, and come and go, but there's always certain ones that stick with you. And then as you think about them, they do grow. You are able to think back a little bit and be like, oh my gosh, I do remember that now. And oh, wait, that's connecting to this dot and that's connecting to that dot. So I would love a little bit about what did your parents do for a living, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, sure. Uh, My father worked in sales and in accounting. My mom has always been um, doing something she loved, which was an executive secretary and administration work, and she was excellent at it. Uh, but they, uh, my parents got divorced when I was young. So really is my mom, uh, in our life after that, um, very supportive though, of anything I wanted to take on, you know, whether it was design or the organizing and so forth. Right. So. And the organization obviously came from like your mom, obviously to be, um, you know, that secretary, I mean, you have to be very organized cause you're organizing oh, yeah. other people's lives. And so that's really cool that you kind of 
took that and saw something from her there. But then you go back to that little second grader and taking those pictures and you're like, I kind of like to do things myself, right? And so I want to open this up and do it um, do it here. So I also now want to take you back to that backyard. Um, one of the things that you know I, I know that people are going to take out of this episode is that you obviously love to do things for other people where you're going to make them happy. So whether it's getting them organized, because you know that's a good feeling, they're going to be happy about that, or taking a beautiful portrait of their children and they get to display it in their house. And so that's obviously shows who you are in your heart. You know, you also have had four, four children, so you are comfortable and like children. So how long did you have that photography business before you kind of pivoted? I'd say a couple of years. Uh, I, I loved doing what I was doing, but I realized that I didn't like the pressure of having to put something out there. Like I felt like I really wanted to make sure that they enjoyed the work. But I, what I wanted to really do was to start going into my more fine art photography mm-hmm. and take photos of things that would make people feel good that it was on their walls, you know, in galleries and so forth. So I kind of made that kind of fizzle out a little bit because even though they really loved the work, I just felt the pressure. So when I was able to showcase um, some of the work and had it displayed in, in this gallery that was in Red Bank, and now it's in Princeton, uh, it was just, it, the feeling was so much different without having that added pressure in there. Right. And so, and I love that you said, I love how you put that because that's another thing that I think is so important to people to take away from this is that you can follow a passion, you can follow a journey. And and they know that I really truly believe we all have a path, whether it's God or the universe that you believe in, we all have a path. We just have to find it and listen to it and then follow it. So that's where I really talk about daydreaming and, and finding that space where you can daydream and, oh, let's do this. Let, let's do that. Let's, I want my life to look like this, or I would love to help people do this and then take those daydreams and really put them into action. And so I love that you did that. And because obviously you're fearless, you know, you you picked up, um, I mean, as you said, your parents were very supportive of you and you can see that support gave you that confidence to know I can really do anything. I'm a little bit fearless. I can go out, I can move to London, I can start my own business and not worry about the failures or, or where it's going to take you or, you know, obviously we, we all have nerves behind that, but you put those aside and said, I'm going to go for this. So what I, you know, really want people to take away from that is take those daydreams and go and take those steps and then see where it is. And I loved that you kind of honed in. I don't, I love this about the art, but I don't love this. It's not serving me here. How can I still take that and pivot it to serve myself and someone else? And I think so many people do one side and they don't do both. So either they're serving someone else, but they don't feel like it's, you know, it's not what they're meant to be doing or they're serving themselves and it's not really being, you know, it's not going out to the world the way it could. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I love how you said that. And I think it's so important. And I think when people get those two together is when magic happens. Well, I think it's not an all or nothing. You know, you know, the fact that I have these passions and these inherent uh, abilities that I have and, and you know, every, we all have our gifts, right? And it, it, and it can show up in different ways. And when I'm working with my clients too, if let's say they have a passion for something, but they're not in that field, they can still take that and, and utilize it in a different way, you know, whether it's in a hobby or whether they change their careers or whatever. But I, I think that we have all these different things inside of us and um, they show up in different ways along the way. And, and that's how I felt like I, I can still do my photography and I can still, I'm, you know, I'm doing my 
coaching and I can still do my design work and I can still do whatever I want. Um, but, you know, I ha- I'm bringing it into where I am now and in my circumstances. And I think that's what it's all about. I agree. I so agree with your circumstances, seeing what serves you and, and, and what serves the world. So I love that. So take us a little bit into where you are now. I know you're helping organize people and take us through that journey, how that really kind of evolved and um, a little bit about the businesses that you do now. Yeah. So, uh, I had, I was a professional organizer since 2009, I started the business right in the start of the recession, which is not what most people are advised <laughs> to do, but I said, I'm going to do this. And it started slowly and I belong, I, I went, became a member of NAPO, which is the national association of productivity and organizing professionals and joined my local chapter and started, I, I'd, I'd organized for people along the way to, uh, you know, help them, uh, and to build up my portfolio. Uh, and I did that for um, almost 12 years. But then along the way, um, around 2014, I started doing some um, coach training to be a, a life coach. And what was interesting is that the training was geared towards professional organizers so that they could incorporate these techniques that would help them really help their clients because it's not about the stuff. It's all, it's maybe it's something that, um, yeah, it could be. Uh, something that's happened right then and there, like uh, unfortunately, if somebody's father passed away and they, oh, and mother, and they have all the stuff that came in, or they just had a lot of kids and there's a lot of stuff going on. But a lot of times, it's a lot of other things that are deeper. And with coaching, as you know, you know, you you bring out other things so that people it shines a flashlight and opens up perspectives about things, and that's when maybe people can make a change. So I started to really love this coaching, and it's as you've heard me say before from the the booth with uh, the Peanuts cartoon, (laughs) it's always been part of me to like to work one-on-one and help people. And I'll throw in something else. I've always loved puzzles. I always loved untangling things, whether it was a physical knot, a physical space, a, a mind. So when I started to dig deeper and started to train and started to build this coaching practice, I realized I wanted to segue into that. So my, my business has now transitioned for the last two years into um, basically just um, coaching for uh, um, ADHD and for productivity, time management, and so forth. So there's been a lot of segues, but it just felt very natural for me along the way. I love that. And how did you decide ADHD is where what you wanted to specialize in? So that's a good question because along the way, those 12 years when I was doing the organizing in the home, I'd say 95% of my clients either had diagnosed or undiagnosed ADHD, where they thought they, they might have. So I was really in their space and be able to not just hear them, but to see and figure out like what worked for them. And even though I personally don't have ADHD, one of my children has been diagnosed with one. I just found that even though I'm more neurotypical and there's more neurodiverse thinking out there, I started to really in, enjoy working trying to help them figure out how to feel really good about themselves because so many times in their lives, they've had either an internal conversation or an external from someone else telling them that they're lazy, they're stupid, or that they, they don't have any motivation where there was stuff going on that they didn't realize was actually causing it, but they had all these inner strengths that were so beautiful as well. And that it, their ADHD didn't have to just say, you know, affect them. They could learn tools and techniques to get them to to be whatever they wanted to be and to believe in themselves. So 
you know, I loved, uh, I loved um, working with them. Um, you know, everybody's different in how they show up. So it just made more sense to me. And I, I work with a whole range of population with the coaching. It's not just ADHD, but I just find that that's what um, is being drawn to me and I'm drawn to at this time because people who have this a lot of craziness going on and it's chaotic and they're they're always in their head and they they just don't know how to untangle stuff that's what i help them to um kind of figure out and help them to get a better quality of life i love that so i do have to ask was were you already working with more of the adhd population before or after your child was diagnosed uh so he was diagnosed i think when he was about nine so i was starting to work with the organizing around that time. Right. And yeah, so it was around that time I started working. And is there ADHD now that you see that your son has it in your family, like a husband, you know, a, a husband? Uh, I will not your... say. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, maybe not. <laughs> um, that, that makes me but, laugh uh, hard because I, I we talked about, and my, I know my listeners know I'm dyslexic and I, I probably have touched on that I'm also ADHD. My dad's ADHD, my, you know, we have grandparents. Um, and I always looked at ADHD as my superpower, but that's because, I grew up in a home that celebrated it, right? So they mm, celebrated my, my chaos. They celebrated when I, you know, went on these, you know, really exciting things. And, and we have, um, you know, one of my sons is also ADHD. Um, but I always, it was funny when we were originally getting him diagnosed with dyslexia, I remember I said to the doctor, no, I don't think he's ADHD because he's like much more settled than I am. He sits and he can, he sits and reads and I never could do any of that. And the doctor started laughing and he's like, it's so funny when the ADHD mom asks me if her ADHD son is ADHD. Yes. He's ADHD. <laughs> and, um, uh-huh. um, but it's really funny cause it's, it, it, there's such, as you said, there's such a spectrum and there's such a, a fine line, you know, when you talk and especially, I th- I believe it's more accepted now, but you know, when you were little, especially being a female, there was always a negative side, but I always say I have the really good ADHD because I have, and I don't know if it's more because of uh, being a woman, but I know personal space. I, you know, I, I have boundaries. I, you know, was not the kid getting trouble in class. That's how my son is. He wasn't getting in trouble in a class, but it made us very intuitive and very aware of our environment. So we also became really good communicators and really good connective people. We also, I know when someone is, um, not feeling great, I am really in tune to how people feel. And so again, my ADHD has always been my superpower. It's actually put me in a place and I believe my dyslexia as well, but it's put me in a place where I connect with people on a different level. And because I have the awareness and it's, it's probably as I've gotten older, but I can sit and listen to you. I can sit and have a conversation, you know, where a lot of people will think ADHD, oh, they're the person that's in your face. They're the naughty boy that's getting in trouble in school. There's so many, when you look up so many people with um, either ADHD, dyslexia, you know, we do a lot of, we actually make the world a better place. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we need everybody. <laughs> we need everybody. I was having a conversation with my mom uh, about this a little bit because like I said, she's always worked as an executive secretary. So she was working for the Jewish Federation for many, many years. And she had um, the people that were the directors that she worked under who were the big decision makers that did this, did that. And so we were talking about how the different roles, like she would never want to do that. She was like the very orderly linear thinker who was a detail person, but you need the 
big thinkers, oh, yeah. the big picture people that could be able to be creative and like we need everybody. But I want to just bring up a point that you mentioned before. You're you're so blessed that you had the support. Yes. You know, a yes. lot of people don't have that and the, the family members who may not have ADHD don't understand them. Yes. And the more educated they can become to see like, there's beauty in everything. We all have our stuff. We all have our stuff. And I love that you said that. And it was my mom, even though my mom was an ADHD, my mom was really good at, again, celebrating ADHD. She loved my energy. She loved my out thereness. Um, where if I had a different parent, it probably would have been different, but that's one of the things she fell in love with my dad. My parents are not married anymore, but that is one of the things that she fell in love with my dad. And when I was diagnosed, you know, it was like, oh wait. And my mom's like, yeah, I've known you've been idiot. My mom's in education. So she always knew, but we never, you know, we didn't take medicine when I was little because my mom didn't know what that was going to do. Not saying that med medicine is bad because in college I did, I use homeopathy now. Um, I don't use med medicine. My son is not medicated because we found a way naturally to really work with ourselves, which I absolutely love. But in college, I needed, I needed um, attention deficit meds because it was so much. Like I, I tell a story, I was remember the first time I had to sit in a big lecture and all I could hear was the clock and kids tapping their pens. And I was like, and I was counting all the red shirts or looking at how many cute boys were in the class. And I remember being like, wait a second. I did not hear a word the professor just said, <laughs> this is not good. But when I was in high school, I was able to figure it out myself. I was able to, you know, I didn't do great in school, but I was able to figure it out myself. And then when I became, when I was in college, um, I talk a lot about, you know, how I changed my major. And then all of a sudden I just became a good student and it was really interesting, but it was because I was able to focus in a different way. So again, Everyone has to kind of do what's right for themselves, but I always suggest, and you know, I'm not against medicines, but I do sometimes think people are not diagnosed correctly or they're not on the right meds or they put children on meds that are, that are not the correct ones, but a child can't tell you, hey, wait, I don't feel right. And so I really urge people to look at all different aspects. And when I say we are like very attention deficit, but homeopathy has really worked and I've worked with, um, you know, my um, homeopathist. It is, it's been a life changer. But the thing that I found also very interesting because my husband's not attention deficit or ADHD. And I remember when he met me and he was like, wait, everyone around you is ADHD. This is so crazy. He would come to my town. I'd be like, oh, this person. He's like, oh my gosh, you guys all have all this energy because likes <laughs> attract the likes, correct? You know, um, but the thing that was really interesting is I remember when we started having children, I obviously stopped taking medicine and, um, and I said to him, I, I think I'm pretty much the same person. And he said, yeah, but I can see like a little, you know, I, I could see where you, you get a little scattered um, or a little overwhelmed. You know, like I'm the type of person with executive functioning. If my house is messy and it's every room that's messy, I, I'm like, oh, I freeze. And he'll be like, go start over there. And I'm like, okay, so you have to have to break it down, you know, but it's nice to have that kind of partner and that kind of support as well. But it's, oh, yeah. it's interesting now he is an executive and he can pull out okay, this person's attention deficit, but he knows how much, he knows now how to work with them in a better way and not saying them and like putting us in a category, but he understands it and appreciates it more because as you said, that big picture thinker, I remember I read 
the book Driven to Distraction by Dr. Hallowell um, when I was in college. And then my dad and I went on all like the circuits we listened to them speak. And that's where I was like, you know what? I love that I have this. I'm going to celebrate it. Yes, I have my strengths and I have my weaknesses from it, but we all do. And I think it's so important for us to do that. So I urge anyone that's listening that has a child with attention deficit or dyslexia or anything that they don't, because I always feel... I'll have friends that will reach out to me and say, I don't, I don't know what to do. And they've just been diagnosed because the husband or she knows someone else in their family has it. And I always feel so fortunate that I understand my children or my child that has attention deficit because I, and I don't even think about it. As I said, I didn't even realize he had it. I was like, no, there's no way he sits and reads, you know, or he's not as, he's not as active as I am, even though the doctor was like, what are you talking about? And anyone is like, you guys are the most active family as a bunch, your kids and yourself, because we're constantly moving. We're constantly doing but we can also sit. So again, I, I urge people to really look at all different avenues, whether it's meds, whether it's homeopathy, but really be patient and embrace the unknown, embrace the chaos at times, but help rein your child in if they're struggling in certain things. Look for someone like Deborah that can help kind of organize you and help organize your child because it just is going to make the you know life so much better. Yeah. Education is a really big piece in this. I mean, CHAD, which is the Children and Adults with ADD yep. um, website is phenomenal for learning more. Yes. And, uh, you know, you're talking about with the high, the, many people don't have the hyperactivity component, you know, it, it and, and a lot of people can focus, but it's really about what they they love to focus on versus things that are not giving them that dopamine that they need. So there's, but by educating oneself or like to find out about with their children, what's going on, it's so much better in terms of being able to support them and be able to say like, I understand, let's, let's figure out some ways that we can work together on this. Like you say, whether it's homeopathically or if they do need meds to kind of get them back to where, who they really are, you know, peel back these layers or, or, you know, or working with a coach or with a therapist. Uh, because what I try to do is to give people like a tool belt to help them with some different types of techniques and skills to do like what you did during college, which is you learned how to compensate, but a lot of people aren't compensating yet. And, um, it doesn't mean that they have to change. Like I always say, we don't have to make you as a square peg fit into a round hole. Right. Let's, build this life around you, which is why I call my company a life that fits so that we can figure out, okay, what works for you here? What works for you there? Do you need this? What kind of support do you need? What kind of education do you need around your own, you know, stuff that's going on? What are your strengths? What type of modalities do you have? Like, how do you process information and take it in? You know, are you a visual person? Are you kinesthetic and need to write things down and move to get information in? Like, there's so many ways to kind of help oneself, whether somebody has ADD or not, you know, to be able to to build that around oneself so that it's not like a wall, but more of like a support system because we, we all need it. I need I need to put alarms on for many times during the day just to remember things. So even though I'm an organized person, I know what I need to support myself. And there's no 
shame in it. Right. And I love what you said about knowing how you work best, because one of the things I teach all the time about daydreaming or meditation, however you want to say it, is how you work. So if I have to sit and meditate, and I remember when I first got into coaching, you know, they tell do these practices. And I remember being like, no, this is not working. This doesn't feel right. Every time I sit and try to close my eyes and not think of anything, I think of the list I have to do. So I realized I need to walk. I need to move. And that's the same with a child in a classroom. And that's why traditional education makes me so crazy. And sometimes I even hate that my kids, you know, I, I, my older son did go to um, a school specifically for dyslexia. But I, you know, sometimes it hurts my heart to think of the kids that are not diagnosed, but are told they have to sit there because what happens is, and so many people don't realize it, is when you're just sitting there, your brain is not getting turned on. So you have to do things to get that brain turned on. And there's so much studies. And I love that you you brought out CHAD and that's C-H-A-D-D. Am I correct on that? That's correct. Right. So definitely look that up because one of the things, again, like my mom was a brilliant kindergarten teacher because she let the kids move around. She saw the kids that needed to move and she would bring out the best in every child because she would say, okay, this child needs to sit. My older sister had ADD. She was, she was the daydreamer. She was the one that would lose things at school. I never lost anything. I, I still know where everything is, even though it's disorganized in someone else's mind, it's not disorganized in my mind. And I know where everything is. I know where everything is in my house, even though to someone else, they'd be like, I don't know how you find anything here. So it is really important to embrace that. So I love that you teach your clients that because again, you know, I learned as I went because I had the support system of my mom. I, you know, my mom really helped. And then I did along the way kind of figure it out myself in certain aspects. And I know for me, walking my dogs is when I can daydream the best. And as you said, it is just an important time and to just to be a better person to figure out how that brain works, how your brain works, how your child's brain works, how's your, how does your spouse brain work, right? Absolutely. You also mentioned something earlier about that you're, you have uh, healthy boundaries. A lot of people don't. And I, I try to help people to figure out where those healthy boundaries are for them, you know, like what, so that, that they know when people are crossing a line, whether it's, you know, communicating what they want, but also figuring out like, what are they, um, what do they need? What, what, what needs to be around them so that they, they stop the bad, <laughs> figure out where the good starts, you know, in terms of, of getting the help they need, having um, the right conversations with the right people. Uh, but I'm so glad to hear about with your boundary setting too. That's really important. And, it, and it's, again, it's really funny because my son, my older son has it as well. I mean, all my kids, but I, I always think about like, you know, with ADHD, that's one thing people always will say like, oh, they're in my space or, oh, they were the, you know, the close talker or they interrupted me a thousand times. Now, not that I, you know, I don't ever interrupt, but I'm very aware of my boundaries and my son is the same way. And so again, when people hear the word ADHD, they always put all the negative, but look into the positive, look at what ADHD actually, the positive of, and take that. And I'm talking to people that have like someone in your family that you don't know what to do with, or you're just, you know, frustrated and confused. Look at those positives. And if you take those positives and really hone in on them and then really celebrate them, that person's just going to feel better. And you touched on something, you know, oh, yeah. in school, you know, where people are, you're lazy, you're not working hard enough, try harder. That's like the worst thing to say to someone that is, you know, attention deficit or dyslexic because they are, we are trying our best. We're not, no, no person in the world is put there, you know, from a child and doesn't want to be the best that they can. 
No one goes into school and is like, hey, I'm just going to fail because I feel like it. No, there's stuff that's happened to them that has created that attitude. And an education system is where a teacher, and I know teachers are so overwhelmed and my mom is a teacher, so I have so much respect, but there's so many teachers along the way that have, you know, done me a disservice, done my son a disservice that frustrate me because I'm like, okay, where were you? Like what, you know, you went into teaching because you were good in school, but you don't understand that not everyone is good in school because of certain aspects. How about you try to pull out the strengths? And I talk about this on the podcast before, but anytime we went to an IEP meeting where it's, you know, the, um, you know, where if you're, you're, if you're uh, classified in school and they would constantly talk about, okay, this is where he needs to work. This is what he needs to do better. And I would say, how about we talk all about his strengths? Because he is a brilliant kid and he's really, he can listen to anything and put it on a, or orally tell you. But the second you try to say, okay, put that on a piece of paper, his brain shuts off. And that's because of, you know, how he learns because of either attention deficit or dyslexia. And, and for me to have to like tell the teachers that like, Hey, he needs it done orally. And they'd be like, Oh my gosh, he got a hundred. I can't believe it. His written was a 50. And I'm like, yeah, because obviously you haven't done your homework to know that everyone learns different and everyone does different. So again, anyone that's listening to this, that has someone in their family, do some research, reach out to someone like, like Deborah and, and, and get the support and the help. Deborah, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah. So my website is a life And you can find out a lot of information there. I have a lot of resources also. And I'm also in on that page. It also shows I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. And I, I just want to add real quickly that oh, uh, please, when you're ahead. talking about with the teacher and with yourself, there's a partnership that needs to happen. Like you said, the teachers are they have large classrooms and they should be educated around how to look for different signs of what different kids need. But the parent is really uh, an important piece of this that they can advocate for their kids because yes. they know their kid and you know, they know themselves too. Like, so if they see signs in themselves and like, and they can look at themselves really well, and I usually deal mostly with the, with adults in right. my practice, um, they can then also like all of a sudden have a, a better perspective about what's happening with their child. And then it's the more research they can do, the more they can then bring it to the teacher so they can come up with something together that would work better. And, you know, in a realistic way, I mean, cause I know, you know, like a teacher can't do 30 different ways of dealing with the kid, but, um, the kids, but they can, you know, think about things in a, in a way that might be more supportive. A hundred percent. And, and then also helping your kid be able to advocate for themselves is such an important thing yeah. as well, because my son Absolutely. is so good at that to be like, this isn't working. Like I need you to do it a different way. And, and for them to be able to advocate and the things that, you know, again, my son is a very charming person, so he knows how to get what he wants. Not all kids know how to do that, especially when they're younger. They they shut down, they are quiet, they act out, and it's because something is going on and maybe they don't have that parental support. And so it's again, like, you know, when my kids, when they were younger and they would come home and say this, you know, this boy got in trouble or this girl got in trouble. And in my heart would always hurt because I'm like, something's going on bigger and we need mm. to figure that out, especially this day and age, you know, with everything. And I don't want to bring this to a negative part, but that's everything that's going on with, with youth in this day and age. We as adults need to be better. We need to 
to be there and connect, whether, you know, if, if a, a student or someone that you know does not have the support, a parental support, a teacher sees, okay, this kid keeps getting into trouble. Let's try to figure this out. And again, I know everyone is busy. Everyone is strapped. We all have our stuff. As you said, we all have our stuff, but we can become a better America, a better group of people if we take our stuff, but also help a tiny bit of someone else's stuff and do something. Uh-huh. And you're doing just that with your business. But I really, it's, it's, it's very close to my heart, especially today. And it's just one of those things we need to be better. We need to be better. And we all just, you know, autopilot going through life. We need to snap out of it and we all need to be like, okay, what can I do? And so, um, Deborah, I love what you're doing. I love how you're helping, you know, people really get organized and, and be the best that they can be and not take their weaknesses and say, okay, well, you suck because of these weaknesses. Take those weaknesses, take their strengths and say, hey, how can we combine them to actually make them work for you? Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, I love being in this, in, in this part of my life where before I was organizing space and now I'm helping to organize minds. And I think that we all need to kind of be able to sit back and take a look at like what's happening in our lives and figure out, you know, are we, you know, are we being the best that we can be and, you know, and see what we need to do to get there if we're not. I love that. Can you share again where people can find you? Yeah. So the website is a life that And on there also, you'll see where you can reach me also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Wonderful. You guys know, I say this every single time, But you might be listening to this saying, oh, I don't need this, but this is an interesting story. But your neighbor, your sister, your aunt, your mom, your dad, your uncle, someone needs to hear this story because someone is out there needs Deborah's services. They need that organizing of their mind. They might also need the website Chad that she mentioned because, oh, you know what? My nephew just got diagnosed with ADHD and I know my sister is struggling because she doesn't understand it. Here's a resource. These are the kind of episodes that you need not just to sit on and be like, oh, that was great. You need to take them and share them. So I want you to share it with five, six of your friends. You know where to find Deborah. You can find me at all my socials. I am Juliet Han is my website.com. I am on Instagram. I am Juliet Han. LinkedIn, Juliet Han. And that is J-U-L-I-E-T-H-A-H-N for all my dyslexic ADHD spellers out there because <laughs> God knows I can't spell anything. But thank you guys all for listening. And we will see you next week with another passionate story, another story that is going to change your life, even just for a little bit, even if it takes you where you're laughing, smiling, thinking, because that's what I want these episodes to do. I want them to make you think and to take those, what we're saying and put action into your life. So thank you, Deborah, for joining your next stop. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 